I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of a family. Wherever I roam, a best way home. That's where I long to be. I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of insanity. Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball as well as MLB Wide Hot Stove for everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope and Facebook Live. The podcast, as always, can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Literally everywhere. Everywhere you can find a podcast, we are available. I am Terry Cushman and am, as always, joined tonight by Jeremy Schilling and Stephanie Allen. Before we do get started, though, uh, we would all like to give our condolences to the family of Blake Swihart, who uh, lost his brother unexpectedly this week at the age of 23. No details as to how or why, but immensely tragic nonetheless. So our thoughts are with them. And this, of course, comes uh, only about a week after losing Nick Cafardo of the Boston Globe. So it's been quite the somber start to spring training uh, and uh, as I said, Jeremy and Stephanie are with us now. How are you guys? Good. Doing great. Good, good. So the all major free agents, uh, other than maybe Dallas Keuchel, are finally uh, off the market now. And with respective teams, Bryce Harper signed, uh, agreed to sign with the Philadelphia Phillies today. And I'm just going to run right through the contracts as to who offered him what, and then we'll uh, we'll break it all down together. Uh, the Phillies uh, were, the, were the winning bid. 13 years, $330 million. Uh, shockingly, there is no opt-out. Harper does have a full no trade clause. In 2019, he'll make $10 million, but will have a $20 million signing bonus up front. Years 2020 through 28, he gets $26 million per year. And uh, and then the final three years, $22 million per year. The average annual value, $25.4 million over the life of the contract once it's all averaged out. As far as the other teams go, the Dodgers, very interestingly, had a couple of offers on the table, uh, both short-term. First one was four years, $168 million. That was a $42 million average annual value, which would have shattered the record, which is now going to be Nolan Arenado. We'll get to him later on. 
But $42 million per year over four years is definitely astronomical. The other option Harper had with the Dodgers was three years, $135 million. That's an average annual value of $45 million, so even bigger than the first one, but one year less. The Giants had an offer on the table of 12 years, $310 million, so $20 million less than what the Phillies had, but apparently state income taxes in California uh, were said to be a problem, and uh, Harper obviously didn't decide to go that route. They said it would take much more than what the Phillies offered to offset the tax situation. And then finally, for everyone wondering why he didn't take the original 10-year, $300 million deal from the Washington Nationals, who he has spent his entire career with up until now. According to Barry Severluga, I might have botched that name. He is a Nationals beat writer for the Washington Post. And $100 million of that 300 was said to be uh, deferred over the course of several years, possibly up until Harper turns uh, age 60. And again, that's Barry Severluga if you want to look that up. So, uh, you know, the Bobby Bonilla contract, he's still getting paid on that. And he signed that in the mid-90s. And he gets a million per year. So similar situation there. And Harper obviously didn't want uh, any long-term uh, deferred money. So anyway... That was apparently what was uh, on the table from every team. He opted to simply go for the biggest overall offer, which, again, 13 years, $330 million. So, Jeremy, go ahead, bat lead off. What's your take on how that all unfolded? Um, I think he's soft for taking the Phillies offer. Um, and if I'm the Phillies, I'm a little bit surprised that he took my offer, given that there's no opt-outs. There's no incentive for him at this point, other than if you're like a Tom Brady freak competitor to, to be year in and year out, um, at the top of your game. I mean, I, I know you're not a huge fan of cross sport comparisons, but there's been very few exceptions to people that can stay motivated. Um, MJ is probably one, although his, his dedication always waned. He went and played baseball for a while. Some debate why he did that retired again before he came back for the wizards. Uh, But he always had that drive and you never worried about him being prepared or wanting to win. Tom Brady's one of them. This is a situation to me where, um, I mean, he he's so well taken care of at this point, there's no motivating factor. And I, I would be concerned if I was a Phillies fan that with no opt-outs and, and really no other incentive, um, you just hope this guy stays motivated for the next decade and a half. If I'm Harper, I'm taking the three-year, 135, $45 million, and then I'm going into my 29-year-old uh, season as an unrestricted free agent again with a chance to still sign a 10-year contract, assuming I've had three productive seasons in that time frame. It's what I would have done. Um, I would have – because, I mean, 
135 million is still life-changing money. He's never going to have to work again. His family's never going to have to work again. Um, but at the same time, um, you you have a high – look, if he's still the same player he is after the three years with the Dodgers, he's going to get another $300 million contract. And with the way these contracts keep going up, he, he maybe is the $350 million 10-year deal in, in 2022 when he's a free agent again. So surprised by it. Um, also with the Dodgers being, a, you know, to the last two World Series, he would have been going to – the preeminent program in the National League. Instead, he's choosing the Phillies, which, as as far as ready to win, I don't blame them. They seem like they're Nolan or um, I'm going to space it on his name now. They just signed their their ace pitcher, who I finished in the top five in Cy Young. Aaron Nola. Terry name Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola. Yeah, that's uh, um, so stud. Reese Hopkins. Um, they're. I think they're going to be the leader in the clubhouse for Trout when he comes available. So I do think the Phillies are primed to win. Um, at the end of the day, my, my and this will be my last comment, I wonder how much money he cost himself um, by his substandard season last year where he only hit 249, and his power numbers were okay, but they weren't off the charts. And then there was also the discord in the clubhouse Previously with Jonathan Papelbon, but he it's uh, been pretty well documented that there were a ton of issues in that clubhouse and, and managers getting fired and everything else. So I just wonder, curiously, you know, did that have an effect here? Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think the Phillies are crazy. And I also think Harper's crazy for not, if not believing in himself and taking the Dodgers offer. Stephanie, uh, what were your thoughts as this whole saga came to an end? It's certainly been interesting to watch. I liked your comment, Jeremy, about him being soft. I wonder if Bryce did it just, you know, to secure his future. Really, obviously, he did it to secure his future. But you look at the injuries he's had and things he's been through, um, it really is a lack of faith in yourself that you, you're scared to take the shorter more money per year deal and you have to go for the long-term 13-year deal um that's a lifetime i mean that that's a really such a long deal and i look at it i look at it what if we had had someone like pedroia wrapped up in a 13-year deal you know just paying him that kind of money at the age he's going to be at the end of it it's you might as well write off those last three to five years right it's just kind of money writing there and so it's interesting to me. It's been interesting to watch. I I was quite surprised to end up on the West Coast. I was actually talking with a coworker today, though, about the fact of um, taxes in California. So that doesn't surprise me that that was a factor. Um, I don't know anything about Philadelphia's income tax, but I know what California's is like, and um, it's going to take a lot more money to make up for that. So makes sense. Just to you know get an idea of the tax situation i think it's 13.9 percent of his contract is what's taxed i saw that uh with manny machado unless like certain districts of california are different and maybe they are but i know machado signed for 10 years 300 million and 40 million of that is wiped out immediately just with taxes and apparently california is one of the uh, worst i guess toronto is another one which might explain why they have uh trouble you know signing mega deals but 
Um, we also tax tax bonuses a lot higher. So things like the signing bonus and things like that, they hit a much higher tax rate. Okay. Yep. So that makes sense. And that's why the, the Giants always ended up runner up. They offered the most for John Lester, but, you know, Lester opted for a slightly lesser deal with the Cubs. And, you know, it just seems like they have trouble landing those big players as well. They get a lot of their guys via trades and whatnot. Um, so here's some of my thoughts. And I want to start off by saying I'm going to be extremely cautious over drinking any type of Kool-Aid that the national writers try to serve me because a lot of those guys were way off. I mean, just 24 hours ago, they were saying that Philly has no chance for Bryce Harper because they won't give an opt-out after the third year. And why that seemed significant at the time was because that's one year after Mike Trout and Mookie Betts signed their new contract. So that then gives Harper the chance to try to springboard off of their, you know, I'm assuming what will be record contracts from them, most likely by Trout. But, and then Jeremy's point where, you know, taking the three years, 135 million made perfect sense because that lines up with, with that time frame. But that was a big deal 24 hours ago. Apparently the Phillies were out of it and, you know, we're just going to simply, you know, do the best they could and, and wait for Mike Trout. And, and then come to find out, Harper signed with the Phillies with no opt-out whatsoever, which was a huge concession from uh, Scott Boris. But um, anyway, so that's one thing. Uh, another thing as to why he might have preferred the you know, the most money period was that was one of Boris's express goals. He wanted Bryce Harper to land the biggest contract of all time. And that exceeds the previous record uh, from Giancarlo Stanton by 5 million. And so that might be one reason why they took it. Another reason, you know, and I, I know Jeremy, you're usually at odds with me on this, but the players union and there's been a lot of talk about a possible strike happening when the current collective bargaining agreement expires after the 2021 season. And, you know, the big gripe all season long is nobody's getting long-term deals. And it mostly, obviously, been the Mike Moustakis type guys. You know, Dallas Keuchel will probably be affected by this. And, you know, nobody's nobody's getting long-term deals. Yasmani Grandal, another great example of someone who could have had a three- or four-year deal. And, you know, if 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 Boris was complaining about this all off-season long in regards to his other clients, and then he turns around and goes short-term with Harper, that would have been extremely damaging, you know, for the union as far as leverage in a few years if a strike were to happen. So that could have been a bit of a snag. And this is really fresh. You know, we're probably going to learn a lot more about the details and the thought processes over the course of the next 24, 48 hours. But I'm just... I'm just kind of surprised it was the Phillies. And Jeremy and I had a conversation earlier in the week where I was speculating that maybe these guys don't want to play for Gabe Kapler because Kapler, 
has made comments about making rules stricter in the clubhouse and and you know keeping guys in line and telling them what's acceptable and what's not acceptable and i just you know the thing i i was pointing out was why would harper and machado want to go to philly and be an assistant babysitter you know so but it didn't end up mattering in the end harper will go there and I think Philly, outside of the Dodgers, really gives Harper the best chance to win a championship because Philly is at the beginning of their window. They have Aaron Ola, as Jeremy pointed out, for the next five years. They have Reese Hopkins for at least the next five years. Gene Segura, one of the top five or six shortstops in the league for the next four or five years. And then they they have some complementary pieces like... Uh, you know, Andrew McCutcheon out in center field and the JT Real Muto trade, uh, you know, was was pretty big. So they have a lot going for them and they still have Jake Arietta for a couple more years. Nick Pavetta is one of those guys who he's kind of like in an E-Rod type position where he's they're just waiting for him to break out and this could be the year for that and you know, and then they brought in David Robertson to go with Sir Anthony Dominguez. So the back end of their bullpen uh, is looking really good. So they're a pretty complete team. I'm not sure if they're the bona fide, you know, favorite to win the NL East. I'm just going through it in my head right now. I know Atlanta didn't really do anything major. The Mets are a dumpster fire until proven otherwise. The Nationals have a lot of young talent, very good pitching staff. So it, it might come down to the Phillies and the Nats. But anyway, so I, you know, the Dodgers also very well positioned to go to the World Series again. You know, and who knows? Mate, you know, I, I don't. The Red Sox are still, you know, have the same team. Yankees are loaded, so. But the Dodgers, obviously, with Harper, would have been probably the front runner to go back for a third time. So, anyway, any anything else you want to build off of that, Jeremy? Uh, well, Terry, you threw a lot at us did. there. I'm sorry. Uh, um, I think if he wanted to win, he should have went to the Dodgers. Um, the other thing with the Dodgers is that being in L.A., he would have had, um a greater upside with making money outside of baseball. Um, not not to say that he's going to go the LeBron route and, you know, do movies and music and all this other happy horse shit that LeBron's doing, but the marketability of being in L.A. for a guy with that personality, he's a good-looking dude. Um, like I said, married to his high school sweetheart. He has – some people don't like his cockiness, but I think it's – most reasonable minds would agree that he's a marketable athlete and I think he would have done better in LA. So, uh, that's one thing, you know, I, to me again, uh, and obviously I'm not in Bryce's shoes, so it's hard for me to just say this, but I really feel pretty strongly that if, the, if, if I was Bryce Harper, I would have gone to LA for, for the three years, 45 million AAV set the record. Terry loves talking about the, major league baseball players association it's like he, he literally i'm sure he's up late at night just talking to himself about it that's how much he loves it um well guess what guess what guess what would just be a wet dream 
to the baseball association, uh, the players association, the record for AAV. I mean, so, you know, not to say that that goes against Terry's uh, theory there, but it goes against Terry's theory pretty strongly. Um, and then the other thing is that um, the tax, just one little thing, because I find this stuff interesting because I'm a dork, but it's surprising that Major League Baseball can't level the playing field for the, for the teams that are basically being punished by being in high tax states. Uh, Massachusetts has, a, I think, a 6 or 8% um state income tax whereas for example in florida where i live there is no state income tax um so it's one of those things where that's that's a real big difference for someone that's making that kind of money it's just interesting that major league baseball hasn't created any sort of loophole for teams to level the playing field so that a team sitting in florida basically at this point the way it's it's built has it has a competitive advantage over uh, any free agents, but for the fact that all the Florida baseball teams suck. Um, so that's it. I'm done. Uh, Stephanie, any final thoughts on Harper? Um, no final thoughts on Harper, but I think it's interesting what you brought up about Boris and isn't he Bogart's agent as well? So I, I'm wondering what this what this means what this for means Bogart. Bogart. Well, Bogart's uh, probably will have to um have a really big season. I don't think he's going to be in the conversation of, you know, mid 200s. I have speculated he'll probably get around a Hosmer contract, which I think if all the options were picked up would be around uh 140 million, but if he becomes like an MVP candidate this year in his walk year, wouldn't surprise me to see the number drift up closer to 200 and of course, where he is a Boris guy, it's probably going to be a very late signing next year, you know, late January, early February. And, you know, we'll get into him quite a bit throughout the season, but he's a guy that I covet a lot, you know, because shortstops, it's just so hard to find a guy of that caliber in that position. So um, definitely uh, intriguing. Go ahead. Yeah, but based on... Not to get heavily into the Reds, the Red Sox topic, but if Xander Bogarts wants to go the Scott Boris route and hold, because again, don't forget that you know we're already playing games. Like the Red Sox are like four and two in Grapefruit League play, so I mean, Bryce Harper is at a disadvantage. He's put his team at a disadvantage. He's you know the. If Bogarts is going to do this to the Red Sox, do the Boris uh, playbook, f- fuck him and move on. Like, don't don't be don't allow yourself to be played like that. And there is some talent up the middle in the minor leagues. I know we have a thin minor league system because Dombrowski's just eviscerated it to build the team that won the World Series, which I wouldn't take back in a heartbeat. But you, you're still the Red Sox. You can still find guys to play defensively. And Bogarts is not an elite offensive player. Is he a good offensive player? Yes. Is he a top 12 shortstop, 10 shortstop? Yes. Is he in a, is he one of the best shortstops? He's not. So if he's going to – we're going to be held hostage by Boris's bullshit. And there's going to be, you know, no um, – 
uh, what's the phrase I'm looking? Uh, the Arenado. Like, if there's going to be no Arenado night type discussions, then just move on and don't be don't be subject to that bullshit. Let the programs that suck, like you know, basically the Phillies and the Angels and other the, these other programs that sign bad contracts, deal with that bullshit. I like Bogarts. I think he's a great player. I think he's very marketable to whatever team signs him. He's another wholesome guy, speaks multiple languages, good-looking dude, all those sorts of things. But I have no interest in being held hostage. And again, not to go cross sports, but the Patriots are the prototypical uh, program that sets a price and then says, once you go above it, we're out. And we're going to find someone else that's going to do it within the thing because we still have to sign Ben Attendee. We'll talk about it in a few minutes, but we still theoretically want to sign Mookie Betts, um, you know, Sale, and some of these other things that we're, you know, we're going to need another pitcher next year once Porcello leaves. So, you know, I, they're, they're, we can't sign everybody, and if we're going to do the bullshit with Boris, then I say bye, Xander, and I, you know, I like you a lot, but bye. Yeah, I don't have the other free agents. Apparently, it's a it's a decent class next year. It doesn't have the mega stars, but there are a number of guys that will command probably nine figure deals. And uh, the one thing I would like to note, though, Jeremy, is is Dave Dombrowski. You know, is extremely patient, and you know, won the staring contest with Boris. With J.D. Martinez, and I know those are two different animals. You know, Martinez was above the age of 30, or, or maybe he was 30, but still older. And, you know, so I, you know, who knows what their mindset really is. But, um, like I said, it's going to be an interesting year. And if, if Bogarts has a better year than last year, you know, then it's it's all that much tougher. And maybe maybe they do just say, screw it. But, you know, who knows. But anyway, uh, we'll uh, move into uh, Manny Machado here. Uh, his, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, boo. Said yuck. Okay. Yuck. Okay. Well, he's uh, literally as as far away as as you can get uh, from the Boston Red Sox, and equally as far away from any potential World Series <laughs> uh, appearances. So, but anyway. Basically, came down to two teams. The Phillies dropped out early. Uh, the Padres ultimately won the the you know the final bid. That was ten years, three hundred million. Extremely straightforward. Uh, there is an opt out after five years, but there's no deferrals, no front loading, no back loading. Um, you know, a, a ten year deal. The other team that was in play was the White Sox. Uh, they were uh, eight years, two hundred fifty million was their final, and there was two option years that could have been triggered. Uh, it had he reached five hundred and fifty plate appearances each of those final years, going into the option. And I'm getting conflicting numbers. Uh, the total contract could have been three hundred and twenty to three hundred and fifty million, depending on which source you want to go with. But at least three hundred and twenty, anyway. Um, you know, could have if the options were picked up by the White Sox. But instead, like Bryce Harper, he went with the highest overall guarantee and. Uh, 
you know, actually, we'll, uh, well, Stephanie, we'll have you lead off. So, obviously, not a big Machado fan, no Red Sox fan is. Uh, what were your thoughts as his, you know, free agency winded down, uh, you know, ultimately signing with the Padres? To be honest, I was surprised to see him go with the Padres. I, I thought he'd want to go somewhere where he was guaranteed to win um, and had a chance at a, another World Series or at a you know more winning franchise. Um, I don't know much about the Padres, to be honest. I, I don't, but that just tells me they're not on my radar because they're not winning, so go figure. Um, I was surprised the money um, just because... I think that he's a cancer in the clubhouse, and so you're just paying for what you think is talent, but I think it comes at a price and um, in your clubhouse. So I'm, I'm not a fan of Machado. I, I don't have much to say about it um, other than it, you know, it, it has implications for free agents, the kind of deals these guys are getting. Other than that, I was surprised that he went to San Diego. Although it's beautiful, so there's that. Well, to that last point, too, with, like, the clubhouse thing, um, they basically followed him around with a camera for his first three days, and, like, every positive interaction he had a player they had on their Twitter account, they had on their Facebook account, like, they clearly were pressing the narrative that, like, he's welcome here. And, and, you know, it's like, yeah, everyone's dapping up and giving high fives and hugging on day one. But what happens when you're in the middle of a losing streak and you have this douchebag on your roster? Right, who's spiking people. Yeah, yeah, I just see past that. Oh, by the way, when... When uh, when your other good players are getting thrown at because he slid high with cleats up uh, right. on a Wednesday game against some bullshit, bullshit team. team, and then you have to answer for the the ninety six in the ribs. So you know, look here, here I'm going to be pretty succinct by my standards. This one hurts on a human level. He's such a douchebag. He's so unlikable. His smile's fake. Uh, I hate like the like I hate everything about him. Like, I just hate everything about him. I hate the way he ties his shoes. I hate the way he puts on his pants, although I've never seen him do it. Um, <laughs> I hate this player. I hate this human being. I think he's a scumbag. Um, not that I'm a Pedroia guy, but I, I he, he truly ruined a, 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 a potential Hall of Fame track career. Uh, you know. So here, here's what I have to say. I'm butthurt about this one. This sucks. I hate that he's happy. I hate that he got what he wanted. I hate that he got the contract he got. I hate everything about it. I hate that he's living in a warm weather area that everyone loves. I honestly, I hate everything about it. I'm a little bit butthurt. I don't really want to talk about it. It sucks. Uh, one positive, he's somewhere where I typically can just avoid seeing him and hearing from him. Um, so that's it. I don't really have anything else to say about him. And if we never talk about him again, uh, that's too soon. All right. I'm with Jeremy on all of that. It's a huge ditto. My theory on why he picked San Diego was because he wanted to get as far away from the Red Sox as he possibly could. And that geographically speaking, that's as far as you can go. So, you know, I thought that the Padres could potentially land him. I kept calling them uh, one of my dark horse teams. They signed Eric Hosmer last year, and he's not—he's more of a cornerstone player. He's not like the face of a franchise. And if you're going to go get a guy like Hosmer, you got to 
grab other pieces as well. So whether that's Machado, Harper, they could have went the pitching route. Uh, there were some mid-level guys they could have brought in. But uh, A.J. Preller, as a general manager, extremely erratic. He blew up their whole farm system five years ago, made all these trades. The team never got off the ground. And by July of that year, he was already blowing it up. And it took four years to build the farm system back to what it is. They do have the number one farm system in Major League Baseball, and which includes 10 top 100 prospects. So they're definitely on track to, to be a potential juggernaut. But, you know, the Machado signing made sense. I'm a little surprised it got as high as 300 with him, but they ultimately were willing to go the furthest. The one interesting thing here was I mentioned at the start of the segment the White Sox had, you know, eight years, 250 million with the two options. And before the options get picked up, that's a 31.25 average annual value so that would have been much higher than Harper and comes in right under uh, Arenado but that that's a hefty deal but the really interesting thing here was that once the Padres offered 10 years 300 Machado and his agent Dan Lozano never checked back in with the White Sox to give them an opportunity to beat that deal they just said you know once the Padres made the offer they took it and the White Sox front office, everybody was saying how stunned they were. And they found out about the signing just like all of us did. And my theory on that was the White Sox had the top offer virtually all winter long, probably 24 hours until until the Padres made their offer. That's how long the White Sox were, you know, had the best offer. And I think there was probably a little bit of contention between Machado's people and the White Sox front office. And they I'm trying to figure out the best way to describe it. I think that I think the White Sox were just cocky and they weren't willing to come off of it. And they were almost gloating Ha ha, we have the best offer and you have to take it. And then when the Padres finally did swoop in, you know, Machado and his people kind of just flipped them the bird and said, we're signing with these guys. And and it's no secret, obviously, that the White Sox front office has been an absolute dumpster fire. Chris Sale was going through everyone's locker, cutting their jerseys with scissors. And Adam LaRoche quit the final year of his contract which was for like 13 or 14 million not cheap by any means especially for like a mid-level player like him because simply because the front office wouldn't allow players kids in the clubhouse anymore so LaRoche said screw this I, I want to spend more time with my family not putting up with this crap so there's been a lot of issues with that team behind the scenes as well so those all may have been factors to varying degrees, but like like we said, you know, he is a Padre now. Realistically, there are a few years probably from competing, at least a couple. They have nobody for pitching. I couldn't name you a single reliever in their bullpen, so they're going to have to try to build that. I don't know how many of their 
you know, top 10 prospects or pitching, you know, prospects or whatnot, but I would expect them to probably be active throughout the season on the trade market and then next year via free agency. But for the time being, the Dodgers are obviously still, you know, the heavy, heavy favorites to to win the division. And then the Rockies won the wild card last year and, you know, got into the NLDS. So, you know, maybe they can make a similar run. I wouldn't be shocked if the Diamondbacks made a run for it because their pitching staff is very good. They still have Grinky. They still have Robbie Ray, Zach Godley, Taiwan Walker. I, I'm assuming will be back this year, following Tommy John. So you know, so but the Dodgers, like I said, still the front runners. Padres still, you know, still have some issues to address, but they're slowly putting together, like I said, what could be a juggernaut. Uh, Jeremy, you said you're done. Is there anything else you want, you know, in response to anything I mentioned or. I mean, the White Sox are completely irrelevant. They're so far away from being a competitive team. I don't, I don't know that that had a, 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 a say in what he ultimately did or not. I don't really care. Um, I, I honestly would like to put the Manny Machado narrative behind us and just move on to almost anybody else. Uh, fair enough. Uh, Stephanie, uh, one, any final thoughts? Uh, I'm with Jeremy. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I don't want to make him mad. You know, he's done with Machado. So am I, I can't believe you know what? Paying you know him what? that much money and doing everything they can to make him the face of the franchise. And he's still a douchebag. You can't, mm. you can't fix that. There's no fixing douche. So I would, I would also like Padres. to call him a douchebag one more time. So <laughs> okay. I'm good now. Douchebag. All right, so I guess that settles that. And uh, all right, so <laughs> next, Terry's, Terry's having trouble transitioning here. <laughs> well, I was just trying to get the you know the you know the chain of events out there is all. But so it's uh, preseason, and we currently have a banned list. One of those. I mean, I, I mean, no offense, but I don't care about the White Sox either. Like, they're so far away from, from being relevant that I, I don't care about them either. I mean, if he went there, fine. I mean, you know, on a 10-year deal, maybe they would have been relevant in the back half of the contract. They're not anywhere close to being competitive. I'm glad he's not in the AL because I don't want to see him. Um, I hope he blows out his knee on opening day. So, yeah. I mean, I really don't have anything else to say. I, th- I think they're probably a little closer, though, than the Padres are. Uh, you know, they still have Rodon. I know they did lose Kopech for, you know, at least this season. But, um, and and then you also have to take into account, you know, the the AL Central is not, you know, not a powerhouse by any means. The Indians can't make up their mind whether they want to, you know, go for the division or blow up the entire team and. I picked the Twins to win last year, the division. I, they're looking really good this year, but I don't, you know, who knows? I mean, a- anything could happen, and, you know, the Royals are who they are, and the Tigers are still, you know, out of it. So, you know, I, I think that I still think the White Sox are a little bit better positioned, but like I said, that, you know, their front office is a dumpster fire, so, you know, is what it is. But anyway, uh, the other um, 
The other news of the week, uh, Colorado Rockies, the face of their franchise, Nolan Arenado, has kind of broken the trend of the last couple of years and signed a mega deal early to stay with the Rockies. He signs a uh, eight-year, $260 million deal that sets the record uh, for average annual value at $32.5 million, highest in history. 2019, he's going to make the $26 million that he was already awarded to by the uh, arbitration panel. And then the five years following that, he'll get $35 million per year. Thirty-two million in twenty twenty-five, and then finally in the last year of his deal, he'll get twenty-seven million. And he does have an opt-out after the twenty twenty-one season. I would be shocked if he does it because, like I said, three years following that opt-out, he's slated to make thirty-five million per year. So, fairly safe assumption he he stays put. But uh, Jeremy, go ahead. All right. I like this player. I like him a lot. I like that he did this for that franchise and that he couldn't do it because he's rich beyond his wildest imagination. He doesn't need to do what Harper and that scumbag did, which is squeeze every last dollar out of whatever team was going to pay it. So he committed to the franchise. He committed to the franchise that drafted him and put him in a position to succeed. He rewarded the fan base and rooting for him by staying there. And at the same time, the Rockies did right by him, which was pay him appropriately. He's the best third baseman in baseball. This contract is commensurate with his value to not only the Rockies, but his his stature within Major League Baseball. I mean, it's a win for the team. It's a win for the player. It's a win for the fans. I mean, it's a win for baseball. I, I, why can't athletes and teams have this happen more often? Like, for example, Mookie Betts or Xander or J.D. Drew or Benintendi. You know, I mean, Pedroia, back when I didn't think he was such a dirtbag, uh, not a dirtbag, uh, back when I liked him, I should say, um, he did this as well. He signed a, t- a contract that made him, you know, very, very rich and not have to worry about money ever again. But at the same time, he did it early, and he, you know, so to me, I just it's a win all around. The player's awesome. I think it helps market Colorado uh, to the broader Major League Baseball fan base. Um, you know, and the players not never going to have to. He's never going to have to have another job. And, I mean, to me, it just makes sense on every single different angle. Uh, the only thing that I'm a little bit jealous of is I would have loved to see this guy in a Red Sox uniform if it was ever possible, and now it seems as if it's not. Definitely not, uh, unless uh, a trade occurs. I did not see a no-trade clause in there, so who knows? You know, it's at least a pipe dream. Stephanie, your thoughts on the Arenado extension? I agree that it's a win overall. I I um I like it. I'd like to see some of our players choose to go that route, but I don't know if it's realistic, so it's kind of sad. 
Yeah. I mean, how much how much the money other, do you really need at the end of the day? Th- th- this is the other thing that kind of makes me a little bit upset. And I, I don't dislike Harper. I don't know that I like li- like him. Um, I, I, there's points about Harper that I like, and then there's parts that I don't like. There's no reason for him not to take the Nationals' 10-year, $300 million deal. The Nationals did right by him by offering him that in September. They came to the table. It was a, it was a deal that was going to be commensurate with his market value, and he went and squeezed every last dollar out of a different team, which you know, by the standards of the signing of the deal is not – I mean, it's $30 million, and to the three of us here, that's life-changing money. But for what he had to accomplish, the fact that the deal is three years longer for thirty million—I mean, our, this player, Nolan Arenado, has done basically what I think Harper should have done, what I think Mookie should do, what I think Xander should do. What I, you know, to me, he just—I—and I, getting back to Terry's, you know. Terry loves what's best for the Major League Baseball Players Association. I mean, he loves it. I wouldn't be surprised if he left our podcast to go do a podcast for the Major League Baseball Players Association. That's this not is correct. not what's in. That's this is not <laughs> this is not what is it? This is not. I'm just busting this job. This is not what's best for the Players Association because if he went to free agency next year, this player would have had maybe six to nine suitors. For his services and the money would have been astronomical and he knew it his agent knew it the players association knew it and yet he's still committed to the rockies so for whatever that's worth well he does have the highest average annual value of all time but ju- just to be clear on where i stand on the union and whatnot i'm i stand with the team in the front offices i want what's best for the baseball team and we'll get into that in a second with mookie Betts, but but I always, I always point out that the players' union wields a lot of power here, and that's where you and I tend to disagree, Jeremy. I'm not advocating for the players' union. I'm just being matter of fact. You know, the two biggest free agents this offseason took the most overall money and the longest-term deal that was that was made available to them. So that's what the union would have wanted and with all these talks of a strike it would have i mean all hell would have broke loose within the union if if they didn't take the long-term deals and i'm not saying the union is correct but i'm just i just can't emphasize you know any stronger that they're extremely powerful and they have a lot of influence and and it is what it is, and maybe somebody will defy that trend, but we didn't see it this year. And you know, Arenado did take an early extension; he didn't test the market, but he did get a a massive, you know, a massive contract, and the, you know, the highest annual value of any player thus far. So that's only going to last, you know, two more years. You know, Mookie will exceed it, and then Trout will probably exceed Mookie but you know it is what it is and uh, you know about Arenado himself I mean in three of the last four years he's led the National League in home runs two out of those four years he led the National League in RBIs Uh, he's been a top five MVP candidate three years in a row four years ago he was ranked eighth which kind of surprises me because that was one of the years where he led both of those categories. 
if you're a big wins above replacement person, you know, 5.6 wins above replacement in 2018, the highest of his career, 7.2 in uh, 2017. Mookie was, I think, 10.6 this year, and he was the uh, MVP, 6.6 in, in 2016. We are talking about probably... I mean, I'm going to say he's probably a better player than Manny Machado even. He's probably the best third baseman in Major League Baseball right now. So, you know, it's I, – the Red Sox are probably going to commit to Devers, and he's probably going to be the cheaper player in the long run anyway. But Nolan Arenado is the epitome of everything you love in a in – a, you know, in a major league baseball player, a lot of, you know, Red Sox nation is still infatuated with Dustin Pedroia, his leadership, the influence he has. Jeremy and I actually agree on this. I mean, he's absolutely a fake leader. He sold out his entire bullpen to Manny Machado and all the Pedroia. I've never seen so many Pedroia huggers become Manny Machado huggers and, and vilify Matt Barnes, you know. They, you know, they would say that that Pedroia was the adult in the room, and Barnes was trying to kill Machado, and all of that big time overblown. And you know, I think Arenado is is genuine. He doesn't, you know, he he motivates his team in the right way. He has nothing but, you know, a positive influence on everyone, and he's the perfect face of a franchise other than maybe Mike Trout. So good for Colorado. I don't know. I, you know, they're considered to be a smaller to mid market team. So I don't know what that contract's going to do to them. You know, Colorado is a place where pitchers don't like to go because, you know, it's high altitude. Balls tend to fly out of there. I've heard some people say that Arenado would not be the same player if he left Colorado. I don't really buy into that that much, but it's one of those finicky places to play. And like I said, they typically don't have a, a huge payroll. They did get to the World Series one year, ironically, against the Red Sox, which in which they were swept. But, um, you know, so it is what it is. He got his money and and was loyal to his team, you know, and, and, you know, the only person, you know, on the Red Sox really willing to sign right now is Chris Sale. And I think that's because his future, as far as his health is a big mystery. So maybe that's why he's motivated to, to try to get a deal done early, just to get a, you know, a guaranteed payday. But, you know, Bogarts says he's open to an extension, but we know that's not really realistic given who his agent is. And, um, you know, J.D. Martinez pretty outspoken about the the state of, you know, the, you know, basically, you know, the, the long-term contract situation and how it's you know a lot of players aren't getting those deals so he's probably going to go to free agency you know in hopes of a bigger deal than what he got from the Red Sox which happened to be about half of what he wanted the initial asking price that Martinez and Boris had was seven years 30 million a year so that's 210 overall and he only got 110 (laughs) 
So, I don't know. And let's just get into it. You know, what are the chances of signing Mookie Betts? Pretty slim. Like, he's not even willing to come to the table. And he made comments as recently as a week ago. He wants to go to free agency because he feels it's his duty to to continue to set the bar, you know, for the for the next guy, you know, after him, and and so on and so forth. So, and that was in a in an interview with WEI. So, no interest there whatsoever. So, here's the question: Is it worth having? a $350 million player. And I'm just going to assume it's going to be at least that since Harper's getting 330. Do we want to clog up our payroll with a massive contract like that? I don't mind a massive contract like that if it's more short term. I don't want to do a 13-year deal with anyone. It won't be short term. <laughs> yeah, I'm... But I think, well, I think, her point I think is, Mookie has the potential to be the face of our franchise, though. I mean, he's he's everything that Bryce Harper is. He's an overall great player. He's personable. He's a pro bowler. Turns out he's a DJ. Like, what more do you want from him? He's um, I, He's got the snarl. He's got the smile. I think he's overall not only a great player, but a great human. And I think he's the kind of person you want as the face of your franchise. He's not the kind of person you have to follow around and catch only his positive moments on camera to show to people. He's someone you want representing your franchise. So I think we try to get whatever deal we can with him. All right. I mean, that's pretty well said, and I don't disagree with it. And I think, Terry, what she's trying to say is that 13 years is ridiculous and uh, Colorado doing eight years makes a lot of sense. Ten years for maybe Mookie Beck bets makes sense, but thirteen years is is just an extreme that I don't think anybody should be going to. Let me take a step back because I've made the decision three nights ago that I don't like Mookie bets. Now, uh, in my profession, we reserve rights all the time, and I'm going to reserve my right to change my opinion. But for now. Um, and for the foreseeable future, I've made a decision um, that I don't like Mookie Betts. And let me, let me, this, I love being long winded. I've tried not to be tonight, but, you know, just give me a minute here to try to explain why. First and foremost, I agree with everything that Stephanie said. He is, uh, you know, again, he's a good looking dude. He seemingly does the right things. He's never been in trouble with the law. He's not womanizing. He's not doing the things that, you know, athlete professional athletes do that you know end up on the wrong side of of public opinion now with that said i'm not going to follow a player and like a player just because he's doing things the quote-unquote right way i don't think he's relatable um and this is going to be met with some criticism this comment i think during the parade well let me take let me take one step back one of the things that makes certain players really personable is doing things that you and I and the people that we associate with do. For example, Rob Gronkowski, that guy loves life, right? He's at the parade, he's drinking beers, he's he's high-fiving and pointing at fans. You know, he's really engaging in the process and handling it how you and I and most people I think would handle that situation. Mookie Betts, you know, was handed a beer and, you know, basically scoffed at the fan who 
you know, now stupid thing, right? Jeremy, that's a really stupid thing. Well, it, it makes him not as relatable as he could be. The, how talented he is, is just outrageous. And I'm so impressed by him. And you're never going to hear me say anything negative about his personality. Like, as far as again doing things the right way and his ability, because and I'm a bowler, I'm a uh, I'm a I'm a pretty good bowler. So the fact that he can just like show up in the off season and throw 300 games and be a 230 average is just outrageous. Um, but he's so talented. He 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 and and he doesn't really open up about his personal life too much. I don't find him relatable. Now here's the other thing. I really it really pisses me off that. The, and, and because the Red Sox have come to the table and publicly said, look, we made a mistake with John Lester. We're not going to make that a mistake again. We want to pay Mookie Betts. And he's just thumbing his nose at it. Like Colorado came to the table for Arenado, and the Red Sox are doing the same thing, except Mookie's saying, I don't care. I have no interest. I'm not going to deal with you. I want to I wanna maximize my my dollar bills. And that if the Red Sox were being cheap like they were with John Lester, because I still love John Lester. Like, I, I honestly really like that guy, what he overcame and all the other stuff. But he got screwed by the Red Sox. They did not give him a fair contract offer. The Red Sox are not doing that to Mookie. And they've even used John Lester as an example, as we've learned from our mistake. They're trying to pay him. And he's just not even having a conversation with it. So he's not being loyal to the Red Sox, who drafted him, who brought him up, who put him in this position, who helped him win a World Series, who have put players around him to help him and his teammates succeed. He's not standing with Red Sox fans that have rooted for him for years and supported him and done the things like buy his fucking jersey and, and, and all these. Now, it's, it's hard to believe that if the Red Sox are off in 10 and 325, that he can't come to the table and negotiate the balance of the contract and make it work. But he's not going to. He's unambiguously stated he has no interest in even having a conversation. And along with the other things, that makes me not like him right now. Yeah. And to, you know, just to weigh in on his personality like you guys did, you know, he is a clean cut guy, like you guys were saying. Uh, Jeremy, I think when you kept saying relatable, maybe endearing might have been, uh, you know, a, a more, you know, accurate word. He he doesn't have the Gronk personality, like you said. He's just he's very watered down. But at the same time, he's not he's not Manny Machado. You know, he's not causing controversies. He's not running his mouth. You know, but at the same well, time, he doesn't have the charisma I of an Alex Bregman type guy. Yeah, I disagree. I see. I, I, okay. He didn't drink a beer from a fan. I get that. And he's not coming to the table. Okay. He was also, uh, if I'm right, if I remember right, during the World Series parade, not making excuses, didn't see, don't know. But didn't he have a baby about to be born any day? So he's not trying to get like loaded and then I know a drink from a beer, whatever. But then the other thing is, um, I think he's totally. I, I see his personality. Come on, salt bets, you know, and wind dance repeat and the helmet grabber. He he is endearing. I find that all to be endearing. No, I I dis I disagree with Terry. I, I don't think he's relatable. I mean, we've all had that friend, right? Where they're good at everything and it's like you like them and they're funny and they're good at everything, but you can't relate to them because they're that talented. 
and then take that, put it on steroids, magnify by a thousand, and that's Mookie Betts. One of the probably the most talented athletic people in the United States. And I constantly refer to him as a point guard in the NBA playing right field at Fenway Park. He's that talented. And there's this video that came out where I think he was in the Patriots bubble and he was running um he was running a route, and I don't know if it was a Patriots cornerback or what. But like he broke off and ran a flag pattern and caught the ball, snatched it out of the air, and I'm like, oh my god, like holy shit, is this guy like he just he looked like an NFL player. He had the speed, he had he ran a good route, he caught the ball cleanly. Like I'm just like okay, now so but I want to be very clear because like like if Roger Goodell or Manny Machado came up to me, I would not shake their hand. I, I like so let me be because I don't want people to get it twisted about how I feel about Mookie Betts. He is a likable human being. He is doing things the right way. He, I, I, I mean, so I don't want people looking at this the wrong way. I don't find him relatable. That doesn't mean I don't like who he is as a person. I just can't relate to him. Now, the thing about the money in the contract to me boils down to a single word, which is greed. And Terry put it as, well, he wants to be a pioneer for the Players Association. Like, why is he taking up that mantle? Okay, you you know, I, I'm not I'm not saying that you don't get paid. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm saying just you don't have to be you don't have to suck every last dollar out of whatever team's willing to do it. I, the Red Sox have has basically publicly pleaded. So that the fan base knows they're trying to do the right thing. Like they basically like who okay, press conference, we wanna pay Buki. How much you wanna pay him? Basically as much as he wants. Well what's that? It's at least three hundred million dollars. Okay, for how long? At least ten years. Well, why haven't you signed him then? Well, because he won't talk to us. What? It doesn't make any sense. And I some people may characterize it as this pioneer for me. No, greed. He wants every single dollar, which you look, if that's what he wants to do, I'm not going to fault him for that. Again, I, I don't dislike him. I just I hate the fact that he can't be what now we're seeing or Arenado be, which is you're going to get rich. You're going to be the highest average value player in the history of baseball at a reasonable term for what you are and being an elite player. The Red Sox want to do that. This player just won't even let him. Yeah, and those are all good points. And Dave, David Ortiz was never going to wear another team's uniform for his entire career. It, it was never going to happen. And he never really had a super long-term deal. It was always he got extended two or three years at a time, and it, there was never any drama. Some of, it, some of his extensions might have happened during the season, but he was never going to wear another uniform. John Lester was basically saying that. John Lester's exact words was, they'll have to rip this uniform off my back. And I don't think ever in a million years he thought he was going to get lowballed to the extent that he did. And unfortunately, as you know, Jeremy pointed out, John Henry was quoted, you know, I think it was a couple weeks ago by now, as saying, we blew the Lester situation. And, you know, it, it took, what, five years for that to come out. But but they botched it. And he could have spent his entire career as a member of the Boston Red Sox. And that's what he wanted. And, you know, Dustin Pedroia obviously 
same situation, and he took an early extension. I think his might have been along my Chris Sale theory. He didn't have a great record of health. An eight-year deal, you know, was was huge at the time, and, and he took it. But, but many Red Sox fans, and I think some of them are only now starting to connect those dots with Mookie Betts. Like, why doesn't this guy want to stay here? Why doesn't he want to be the next Ted Williams? I don't know if he could be greater than Ted Williams, but, but you know, the next iconic member of the Boston Red Sox, you know, why doesn't he want to do it? And it's just crazy to me that the Red Sox have made every assertion that they want to do this. They want him to spend his entire career with this team and he won't do it. He won't do it. And I have mixed feelings on it because I'm a big value guy. I don't, I don't like huge contracts. 2013 was not all that long ago. And the biggest contract on the Boston Red Sox that season was $17.5 million, which was John Lackey's, that was the annual you know value of John Lackey's contract. And we'll never see that again, but, but I just feel like there needs to be balance. And we'll see over the next couple of years. I mean, Bryce Harper had a 1.3 war this year and struggled to get above the Mendoza line as far as his average went. And and he was he had a 1.5 war uh, two years ago, and then two years before that it was like a 1.4. So every other year, every uh, even numbered year, he seems to struggle. And if he doesn't give Philly the shot in the arm, and I can't imagine Machado's going to be a difference maker, given that the the Padres aren't really you know in a position to contend unless. Unless, you know, Manny, his his numbers just fall off a cliff. I guess that could happen. But in the, in the next couple of years, maybe people will be looking at those contracts. And, you know, and none of them have really worked out thus far. So, you know, maybe that doesn't matter. You know, the Red Sox front office, you know, like I said, you know, keeps trying to Establish some sort of dialogue with Mookie and his agent, but it never happens. And I just, I don't know. And my biggest fear here with Mookie Betts is that maybe we don't end up signing him. Maybe somebody else just gives him this astronomical deal and he takes it and he walks away and we get nothing. The Orioles got a nice trade package from the Dodgers for Manny Machado and if this year or next year, I know this isn't a pleasant thing to think about, but if we're not looking too good by midsummer and Mookie's just not willing to come to the table, I, I'm i not emotionally attached to him. I, I would deal him if somebody gave me two of their top 10 prospects and a couple of mid-level guys and you know, and then ship them away and bolster the farm a little bit. And if you think that sounds horrible you still will have the chance to re-sign him anyway, and you will have, you know, loaded your farm a little bit. So there's uh, several scenarios that, that could that could play out here, but um, it's frustrating to me that his legacy in Boston means nothing. And then you have a guy like Arenado who, 
just so loyal to his team and might never win a championship, but loyalty meant something to him. And his legacy as a Colorado Rocky meant something to him. It doesn't seem to mean a whole lot right now to Mookie Betts. And that I aggravates... think that's the key part. That's the key, though, what you just said, Terry, is it doesn't mean a lot right now. And, you know, we keep saying that um, he won't he won't come to the table. He won't do this. But yet, you're leaving off the word yet. I still have hope for Mookie Betts. I still, I still see him in a Boston uniform for years to come. And hopefully not at some ridiculous, I mean, he's going to get ridiculous money. So we'll see what kind of time frame that comes with. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Stephanie. Jeremy. I, I don't want to. How do I want to put this? You don't want to burst my bubble? No, I don't. I hope you're right, frankly. I mean, I'll I say it right. I, I hope you're right. And um, everything he's done so far, everything he's said, his conduct, the fact that they he won't even pick up the phone. Mm-hmm is counter to that. Um, I think he's going to take the absolute most amount of money in the longest term he can get. And I don't think the Red Sox will do that because the Red Sox still have other players they want to sign. No, totally uh, understood. And if that's so, what he does, that's what he does. And, you know, no, keep, in, keep, in, keep in mind, let's say just to round the number down, the Red Sox are always going to be a $200 million payroll team which I frankly love about the Boston Red Sox. They are committing to spending money, and it clearly isn't just about making money. Like, you can be about making money, but not, you know, the, every single dollar you can get. Like, basically, we, we don't want our owners saying, we're going to, like, basically what the Marlins are doing, which is we're just trying to maximize profits. We don't give a shit about the product. The Red Sox don't do that. They, they say, if you show up to the games, you turn on the TV and watch the games, we're going to put a product on the field that you guys want to see. They've done that for years under this ownership. And it's worked because they've won multiple World Series. They are not they can't possibly spend 35 or 40% of their payroll on one player. Cuz that's what it's going to take for Mookie, 35 40%. And I'll bet you right now the White Sox if he was a free agent this year, the White Sox after losing out on these other free agents would absolutely spend some ridiculous amount of money on him. What do they care? He's going to bring people to the stadium that otherwise wouldn't be coming. He's going to be, he's going to provide them some relevancy where they otherwise don't have it. The Red Sox are going to be relevant if Mookie leaves. They're going to sell tickets. People are going to turn on Nesson. Uh, by the way, side note, they just re-signed Eckersley to a, mul- a multi-year deal where he's now getting half the games. So that's a huge get because he's awesome, and I love him on the broadcast. But back to, back, to the, back to the topic at hand. Um, if Mookie leaves, and he's going to leave, um, we're still going to be relevant because our ownership are, is still going to come to the table year in and year out and pay for talent. And, and I'm okay with that. What I don't like is that our ownership is willing to come to the table and the player's not. So if you're now, trust me, I want to hate ownership, right? I hated the ownership of the Bruins when Jeremy Jacobs wouldn't spend money back in the day, 10, 15 years ago. I hated ownership uh, prior to Rob Kraft when they just wouldn't spend money. They wouldn't, they wouldn't pay for talent. You can't say that about this Boston Red Sox ownership. They are as loyal to us as a fan base as any team could possibly hope for. 
And when he and they they've admitted their mistakes, like John Lester, how many teams would admit? How many ownerships would admit that? We made a mistake with John Lester. You guys love John Lester. We love John Lester. He was an elite pitcher. We fucked it up. We're sorry. No ownership group would do that. And they are trying to do the right thing by Mookie and the fan base. And that Mookie's not letting them do it. Uh, to me, and I can't. And I mean, it comes down to this: ownership wants to do the right thing. Mookie won't let them. Mookie doesn't have any loyalty to you, people that are listening to this podcast. He doesn't. He doesn't have loyalty to you. He doesn't. He he's saying, contrary, Boston Red Sox fans. He wants to go be a pioneer for the Players Association. He wants to be loyal to the other players that are coming behind him. Like these people aren't already all getting rich. This this ownership is saying, "Hey, fan base, we're going to be here for you regardless." If he leaves, we're going to find players that are going to take a spot. They may not be Mookie Betts, but we're going to spend $200 million a year to make sure that when you show up at Fenway Park, when you turn on Nesson at 7.05, you're going to have a product you like. That's the part I respect. That's the part I like. I don't like what Mookie Betts is doing. Stephanie. Yeah, I get that. Totally. Uh, sorry, just one aside. Uh, it took everything I had in me not to interrupt Jeremy when he said that Kraft paid for talent. Sorry. <laughs> you certainly Sorry. did. I'm not, I'm not talking Orchids of Asia talent. I'm talking about football talent. Sorry. Yeah, well, not, anyways, not, a, not a, not a great told, comment by me, but you know what I meant. Stephanie. Yeah, sorry. I, I'm sorry. I I get what you're saying, Jeremy. Totally understand and uh, get where you're coming from. I guess, you know, the, the dreamer in me, you know, likes – Mookie Betts and what he brings on the team. And I think that his ego wants to stay somewhere that wins, right? He doesn't want to go to the White Sox. He wants to go to the White Sox. Usually. But I understand what you're saying. Usually I'm the one that's in the gutter. Um, But here's, uh, Stephanie, just from a value perspective, what would help a team more, okay? Mookie Betts, for say... Uh, let's say $38 million or whatever per year. So you could have Mookie one player, or you could go get an Evaldi type player. You can go get a Kelvin Herrera, you know, a top closer. And then you can add in like uh, a Brock Holt and a Mitch Moreland. You can get those four players to help your team and in multiple different ways for the same price that you can get Mookie for, you know, all by himself. Yeah, totally understood. I totally agree with that. Right. So it's just value. Another another more, you know, relevant example, an actual example, go back to 2013. We were coming off a, a last place season, and we brought in Mike Napoli, Shane Victorino, Koji Uihara, and and Uihara was a virtual unknown to most Red Sox fans, but those were the guys we brought in, and I just remember everybody saying, that's really underwhelming, (laughs) you know, and, you know, we should have made a bigger splash, but they ended up being the perfect complementary pieces, and, you know, to go with the existing talent we have, and we're still going to have Benintendi, still going to have Devers, still going to have David Price, still going to have tons of talent on the team, regardless of what happens in two years with Mookie. So it's all about balance, and, you know, and that I'm a, I'm a big proponent of that. And, 
you know, and the one thing with, with Harper, I'll say, and not so much Machado, but Harper's deal, his his average annual value, even though it's a long-term deal, it's it's $25 million per year. So that's exactly J.D. Martinez money. That's $3 million more a year than uh, Hanley Ramirez was getting, just for comparison. So that part of it is palatable, and I don't think Mookie will get 13 years or, or necessarily even 12 because he's going to be 28, you know, when he hits free agency and Harper's deal takes him through his age 38 season. Stanton's deal takes him through his age 38 season. So, you know, Mookie is probably more in line for, you know, a, a 10 year deal, you know, with maybe vesting options, who knows, but, um, but anyway, I'm so I'm just getting to my point. I'm I'm a big value guy, and so uh, who knows? Here's an interesting question, though. And what if what if Dombrowski? You know, what if it gets to mid January of that winter two years from now? And what if he's just a little irritated how the whole Mookie thing played out, and says, you know what? For four or five million more a year, I could get Mike Trout. <laughs> you know what kind of a twist would that be? Well, Trout's going to Philly, probably. Um, but here's one that, that something in that comment sparked something—a reminder that I wanted to respond to one thing you said earlier, Terry. You talked about trading Machado, the Orioles trading Machado for a haul. Uh, and the idea of doing the same thing with Mookie. Um, and I think you even went as far as saying, and you'd still have a chance to re-sign him. Well, we are, I, I truly believe you have to have the highest offer, both and probably in terms of length and AAV, to get it done because he's basically said that. The difference between Machado and the Orioles, where the Orioles were an absolute dumpster fire well on their way to 110 losses. The Red Sox are going to be competitive, and I just don't think this ownership would be willing to sell the player in the middle of the pennant run just for prospects and just for we we're afraid to lose the player. Because well, yeah, this, team can, this team can reload with free agency. They, they, they can spend money. They, it's not necessarily about the haul and the prospects. That's that. I mean, that's the only thing. The Orioles. I mean, the Orioles. It was so obvious. I mean, what? What are you going to keep Machado to balance out 110 losses? I mean, no. Of course, you're going to trade him. Uh, Washington wrestled with that with Machado, and they wound up being wrong because they never got in the race. But they thought at the trade deadline they were, if they could get hot, that they could get back into it. So they kept him. They got nothing for him. You know. I don't know that that necessarily sets the Nationals back. Obviously, it'd be nice to have some prospects. But if you're the Red Sox, you're going to be in it. And if you have a chance to, to, to win a, the division in a pennant and get back to a World Series and lose Mookie for nothing, I think you take that chance. Um, and again, I just don't see this team being what the Orioles were when it was time to trade Machado. I just I, there, There's too much talent across the board, and ownership is too committed to a winning product. Well, I, pre- I preface that by saying it's not a pleasant thing to think about, but go back to 2014. We were the defending champs. The only difference between 2014 and 2013 was we didn't have Jacoby Ellsbury, and we were out of it. And, you know, maybe not 100 losses bad, but we were definitely out of it. By mid-July, we knew we were not making the postseason. Same exact thing in 2015. That, that team, you know, was 
fucked up from the start because they, you know, they made a lot of bad decisions in the offseason. But, you know, it could happen. And in 2014, nobody was injured. We just straight up sucked. You know, John Lester, you know, wasn't that sharp out of the gates. You know, John Lackey, Jake Peavy, you know, they just weren't that good. And ironically, Clay Buckholtz had something like 28 starts that year, I believe. You know, that was the the one year that he was pretty healthy all the way through. And so, I'm, you know, that it's it's definitely a stretch that that could happen to, to this current roster. But... I mean, we've seen a couple of last place finishes, and and I'm just saying, you know, it's an extreme hypothetical right now. Uh, you know, I'm not saying it isn't, but I'm not attached. And and you make a valid point. You know, I don't think Dave Dombrowski wants to be the guy that traded Mookie Betts that was the backbone of three World Series for whatever team he goes to. You know, the Astros, the Dodgers, whoever. And, you know, that, that'd be a terrible look, you know. I mean, look at what happened when he traded Travis Shaw, you know. But, um, but I don't know. I, I Like I said, you know, if, if I'm possibly getting the next Mookie Betts in that trade or not even if I'm getting the next Dustin Pedroia minus the, you know, the stuff I don't like. Uh, you know, then that's that's good enough for me. And, uh, you know, and you, you really won't know at the time you, you make that trade that that's the guy you're getting. But but I don't I just hate to we got nothing for Jacoby Ellsbury. We got Ioannis Cespedes, who was later flipped for Rick Porcello in the in the Lester deal. So we didn't exactly come up empty handed there. But the most painful thing is going to be to see him sign somewhere else, like you're alluding to. You know, you you believe he will, and I think it's fifty fifty at the moment. You know, and I I might it might be seventy five twenty five a year from now that he maybe he goes someplace else, but um, but I want to get something for him, and and you know, and here's another thing: we traded. Adrian Gonzalez, who was supposed to be the face of our franchise, you know, he, he was a little disappointing, but we traded him, we traded Crawford, we traded Beckett, and a year later we win the World Series. <laughs> so it's like, to me, it's not the end of the world. I mean, we've seen all kinds of twists and turns over the last decade, you know, when they, Nomar, that's a great example. We get rid of Nomar, three months later we win the World Series. I mean, look, I just, Terry, I get your point. Um, and if they're 500 on July 15th I, I, and it's his walk year, then, yeah, get prospects. But I just don't think that's going to happen. So I hope it and you can't you, you can't trade a player in the middle of what we can expect to be a pennant race. You just can't. I mean, it just it. it and again, I hearken back to the fact that this ownership group has committed to spending money. And if they lose out on Mookie because it costs them $350 million, $400 million, they're going to go find someone that's going to be a serviceable replacement and they're going to be better at other positions. I just refuse to believe that this team over the last 15 years wouldn't put a winning, do everything they could to put in a winning product. The, the Bobby Valentine year, they made a mistake. They, they picked the wrong guy. Uh, Larry Lucchino trumped the baseball people and picked his basically his friend 
and that that cost them a season. Um, they, you know, they had some talent get old there in that back-to-back last place finishes. Um, but they still spent, they still did everything they could. And keep in mind, you know, there's been no rebuild, really, and not any long-term rebuild. So this ownership is committed to winning, and I just, I, I, if they can't do it through the draft, they're going to spend money, they're going to do what it takes to, to, to be competitive year in and year out. Now, it's not we're not going to win a World Series every year, obviously. We're not going to win the division year, uh, every year, obviously. But I, I don't think anyone, any Red Sox fan, can fault ownership's ability to attempt to put a winning product on the field year in and year out since they purchased the team. Yeah, and those are fair points. Also, you know, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't point out that, um, you know, there's going to be some decisions this offseason that might impact, you know, Mookie. You know, do we sign Chris Sale, uh, you know, and Bogarts, or do we sign Bogarts and JD? You know, what happens and how much do they end up costing? And, and then. You know, and then you got to pay at least a France franchise record deal for Mookie. You know, I'm still assuming Trout's going to get more, but um, but so those are going to factor in. And what if what if Michael Chavis? He's looked good in a couple games, and you know he's hit at every level. What if he ends up being an absolute stud? You know, maybe not this year, but the year after. So maybe. Maybe the need is a little bit lesser. And, and what if Devers turns out to be a stud? I mean, he's shown potential here and, and there. And a, a good team to watch, you know, that has some young talent right now, especially Soto, is is the Nationals. He could very well be the next Bryce Harper. So they might have, the, you know, Harper 2.0 really cheap for the next six or seven years at least. So there's there's other dots to be connected between now and then before, you know, before a decision does get made on Mookie, and you know maybe you know maybe they blow him away and with a three hundred and seventy five million dollar offer, and maybe that's what gets it done. I don't know, you know, like you know early, I mean, like Arenado. So I I just had to point those out. Um, can I bring up one, uh, unless you want to weigh in again, uh, can I bring up Hanley Ramirez real quick before we wrap? Oh, Hanley. Well, he's he's an Indian now. He's an Indian he, now. If he makes the team. And I just, I found it interesting. Like, he, his name was not brought up all offseason long. I didn't see it anywhere, not on Twitter. Not on MLB trade rumors, nowhere. And then he signs with the team. And I just want to mention one thing. When he got like when he got DFA'd, how shocked were you guys? Like when you woke up that morning and rolled out of bed, ever did you in your wildest imagination think he was gonna get traded or DFA'd that day? No. Do you think he thought he was? <laughs> no. No. But here's the thing. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, you know, but I just wanted to – do you guys remember not last season when he got DFA'd, but the season before he he fell down in the on the short set of steps in a dugout. I can't remember if it was at Fenway or it was away, and he jammed his wrist. 
and he might have missed a day or two. Do you guys remember that? It was like mid-season, so. Yeah. Oh, you do remember. Okay. Well, there, there were rumors that he got into a fight with someone, possibly, and nothing ever was confirmed, you know, and it didn't really gain a lot of steam, but there were whispers of that. Last year, when he got DFA'd, it, it came out of nowhere. And I had this conspiracy theory. And I'm a conspiracy theorist, you know, probably to the point where I'd make a lot of people uncomfortable. So, you know, obviously I'm not going to go in depth. But with the Hanley thing, um, he gets DFA'd out of nowhere on a Friday. Two, late, two days later, Mookie Betts goes on the DL. Out of nowhere as well. I just... I think something might have happened. and You think he smacked Mookie around a little? I think there was some type of altercation. Maybe, well, maybe it, it was a tussle. And there were also rumors at the time that Mookie and JD weren't really getting along. Like there was like a power struggle behind the scenes in a way. And, and, and Blake Swihart was probably going to be the guy that got moved. You know, that was what everybody was speculating on. Nobody could figure out why we were carrying three catchers. And and he even said as much on the plane ride home. He was expecting to get approached immediately getting off the plane, and, and it never happened. And Hanley ended up being the guy, and it just it just came out of nowhere. And Weren't there some rumors, too, about um, drug charges or something oh, dropping that, on him? That was after. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, right afterwards. A few, few months later, he was like, for like four hours, everybody thought he was this big drug kingpin in Lawrence, right. Massachusetts. Right. No, they and then they they, admit, they admitted that 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 was known to the team. Those allegations were known oh. to the team prior to the time of the trade. I, I I don't know about what you're talking about, Terry. That's all first time stuff for me. I felt that they liked Moreland. Um, he was in the middle of the first half of the season where he ultimately made the All Star team. The, I think they overreacted to the fentanyl charges because that his buddy called him during a traffic stop where he got popped for a, a fentanyl thing. Um, and, you know, Hanley was always um, a, a personality that, you know, for two weeks at a time would be really positive and great and, and, and productive, and then he'd go and be weird for two weeks and... You know, he wouldn't be given interviews, and, and people were kind of silent about him, and it was always like the two-week cycle. Uh, I, I just thought that, you know, he was on an expiring contract, so they were only going to have to eat the money they were going to pay him this year anyways, or last year anyways. Plus, they I think they overreacted to the potential legal issues. So I think that's what happened there. I, the other stuff, I don't know. I, and at this point, I really don't care. Um, as far as his role with Cleveland – uh, I'm not rooting against him. I'm not necessarily rooting for him. Um, you know, I mean, that, that team's good. They've got a lot of talent. And if he can be anything like a 270, 280 hitter, hit 20, 25, and have 80 RBIs, he's going to help them be, uh, uh, you know, in my opinion, be the best team in that central division. He has to make the team, though. It was a minor league deal. So he's, you know, got to... He's, I mean, it's a $1 million contract or whatever it is. It's re really reasonable money. I'd be shocked if he didn't make the team. Yeah, I, 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 you know, who knows, you know, 
I mean, he showed up to spring training one year without his uh, without his gloves. You know, he's just like you said, he's a weird guy. So I just it wouldn't surprise me if they just thought he wasn't a fit. But yeah, I wasn't a fan of Hanley at all the first time. Yeah, the first time we saw him play was in Oakland, and he looked like he could give a shit. I mean, he like sauntered onto the field, and there was no hustle. He he looked like he could care less. He grew on me over time, and his last season here, I I thought he was great. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he had one good year with the Red Sox, and that was twenty. 16 and Jackie Brad everybody had a good year that year <laughs> you know we led the league you know yeah in most categories and whatnot but I just wanted to bring that up and the Mookie thing was weird too. him on the DL the timelines kept getting pushed back and what really happened you know an oblique you know for a guy in great shape like that it just the, the it just seemed like a, an odd coincidence at the time and I just thought it would be you know uh, you know, interesting to bring hey up. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. I had a child just wake up and walk out to me and have a problem. So I'm out for the night. Thank you. Yeah. And I'll talk to you guys on the next. We're done anyway. Okay. Good night, Bye. Jeremy. All right. <laughs> yeah. And that that was uh, going to be my last, uh, you know, little segment or whatever. I didn't really want to make it a full segment. But uh, anyway, <laughs> so finally, you know, it was a week and a half. We got a show done. And, uh, tomorrow well for me it's 16 minutes away march 1st and then you know we'll be in the same month as opening day so um i shouldn't say i shouldn't say finally because we got to watch an extra month of baseball you know compared to everyone else yeah that's true throughout october but i I still want more yeah Next year is a, a, a World Baseball Classic year, so that'll uh, that'll be good. I enjoyed the last one, you know, Team USA won. Alex Cora was the general manager though for Team Puerto Rico, which is who we played in the in the final and uh, ended up beating. But yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if uh, you know he plays a, a role, you know, for them again. But anyway. I'm sure he will. Yeah, probably. I mean, he's really proud of his heritage, and they've done a lot of relief work because of that hurricane that basically devastated yeah. the whole island. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. But anyway, uh, good show, Stephanie. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, and we'll, uh We should be uh, back on again real soon. Sounds good. Take care. Have a great evening. You as well. What's left of it. Yeah. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. All right, so longer episode than normal. Well, not too bad, about an hour and a half, but we'll uh, probably be back on, I don't know, what's tonight, Thursday? I don't know if we'll do a Sunday one, so maybe the middle of next week, barring any uh, major developments, whatnot. So expect a show in that time frame. So everyone have a good weekend. You know, if you're into snowboarding, skiing, not many weeks left, so uh, if you're a winter person, enjoy the last, uh, you know, few weeks of it. And the rest of us will uh, count it down to warmer days and uh, the start of uh, opening day. So take care. I'm a member of the Red Sox Nation. It's a kind of insanity.